Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Atlanta Falcons Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is absolutely a great day to be great, and especially when I'm joined by Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, a true friend of mine, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Mr. Dwayne, what's up? Wow. Falcons. Like, is there a team, Ian, where we've got more? We're going to be talking about talent profiles here with B. John Robinson. We're going to be talking about the fact you got Kyle Pitts. Yes, we're going to talk about Kyle Pitts, folks. And Drake London. Like, these guys' underlying data points are all great, and we have no clue what's going to happen at quarterback. And I wish that we did. So this should be a lot of fun. Obviously, moving on now two years away from the Matt Ryan experience, we do still have Arthur Smith calling plays. So while we do have a new man toting the rock in the backfield, a lot is still the same from last year, and we'll get to all that and much, much more right after we get through looking at some of the expected scheme here. So with Arthur Smith, Dwayne, the man loves to run the football. He's now been calling plays for four years, two with the Titans and then two with the Falcons. His rates in pass rate over expected, 30th, 30th. 13th in 2021 with a veteran Matt Ryan under center, but then last season right back to 31st and minus 13.7%, Dwayne. This, along with the Bears, shout out to uh, NFL ELO, the NF ELO, however the hell you say it. The website I use to get the pass rate over expected, I appreciate them. When you look at it, Dwayne, the 2022 Falcons and the 2022 Bears by far the two most run-heavy offenses since 2016, which is when they have been tracking this. So along with that, we had the 27th-ranked offense in terms of pace and neutral situations. This once again profiles as one of, if not the most run-heavy offense in football, and they are going to take their time moving their way down the field. As we saw last year, really tough to enable even one consistent high-end fantasy pass game option when that's the way your offense is working. Yeah, Arthur Smith can be like the kiss of death. I, I we have seen guys like A.J. Brown manage to do well. Now, A.J. Brown never had a year like he did last year in Philly, right, no. whenever he was with the Titans. But, you know, he was a guy that could be a wide receiver one. Um, I think, to your point, it is tougher when you start thinking about, you know, supporting two guys. We did get that season where we had Corey Davis as well as, you know, A.J. Brown for a period there doing, you know, well for the Titans. Now, I think they had some games where they were either, you know, both not in the lineup together and things like that. But it was okay. Um, the, the challenge is if he's going to continue to run the ball this much, it, it's, it's an issue and you worry with the unknowns of quarterback, what's going to really change his mind. Like to me, one of these quarterbacks have to come out and play quite a bit better than what we saw with Marcus Mariota, which, you know, Mariota was really bad. So there is a chance that happens between Heineke, between, you know, Heineke or Ritter, but it's hard to bet on it, right? It's hard to say, oh my gosh, this is going to change. However, what I will say to kind of finish up my rant here is that Talent, you know, is still really huge for these guys we're going to get into as far as all the skill positions go. And we do see things like this change when we don't expect them to. Um, and when I say that, I mean coaching tendencies. I do believe the biggest thing is obviously the quality of quarterback. You know, last year, Smith was clearly, clearly, clearly protecting from Marcus Mariota. Not only were these two teams the most run heavy, to your point, in PROE, these two teams with the Bears and with the Falcons also yards per game passing were the two lowest that we've seen since 2012. So it wasn't just like their willingness to pass, it was also efficiency. And Mariota was a major problem with all of his inaccuracy issues. 
Mariota is now Jalen Hurts back up in Philly. They brought in Commanders QB Taylor Heineke to be the new number two. Yes, he is the number two. He even said right after he got signed, I'm going to try and be the best backup I can to him, him meaning Desmond Ritter. So that is not a quarterback competition. Heineke is the number two. They also did replace backup wide receivers Olamide Zacchaeus and Demir Bird with Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller, respectively, on small one-year deals. Also had Anthony Ferkser leave for the Patriots. Michael Pruitt remains a free agent had to of course trade for former Arthur Smith buddy John U. Smith were able to restructure that deal for the one-time 50 million dollar talent much 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 more on first round pick B. John Robinson in just a little bit but he was the only fancy relevant skill position player added in the draft takes us to Desmond Ritter in this QB room Dwayne again he is the starter QB 174th overall pick of the 2022 NFL draft Came in last year, got the last four starts of the season. Now, there was no Kyle Pitts in those games, but man, wasn't good. 97 yards, 218, 169, 224, only through touchdowns in that Week 18 performance. And that came against a Buccaneers defense that had the majority of their starters on both sides of the ball out after the first, you know, third or so of that game. So in those, he did get that QB 10 performance in Week 18. But the problem for me, man, for a guy that when you just look at him athletically, I mean, he can move 4-5-2 second, you know, 40-yard dash, 98th percentile spark X score. He averaged 43 yards rushing per game during his time at Cincinnati. Like Ritter can't move, but he's almost like less willing to run than Mariota. Like he's definitely pass first, which is great in real life. They should be. You're playing quarterback, not so much in fantasy. In those performances, Dwayne, 38 rushing yards, which was good. But then four carries for eight yards, four carries for nine yards, two carries for nine yards. I get it. Maybe they weren't, you know, fully leaning into the design quarterback run, you know, section of the playbook and everything. But for a guy that we'll get to in a minute, did not have good passing efficiency by any stretch of the imagination, going to be really tough for him to get going in this run first offense if he's not going to be able to run the ball more himself. Not saying he can't because I think he has the tools, but historically, Dwayne, guys like Ritter, man, I just feel like we would have already seen it, even though it is a small sample size, if he was going to provide us that consistently fancy friendly rushing floor. Yeah, and honestly, he did not have that in college either as far as being part of the design running game. He was a good scrambler. Last last year, we did see him from a scramble rate perspective. 8.1% of the times he dropped back to pass, he scrambled. The average for NFL quarterbacks over the last three seasons is 4.3%. So he almost doubled that. What he's not going to do is be heavily heavily involved in the design running game to your point earlier and that's where we really see these guys like you know lamar jackson and jalen hurts pop off for 28 29 percent total right of their team's rushing attempts in the design or sorry not even total that's just in the design running game he's not going to be there like he's not going to he's not going to get to that but they could use him a little more than they did last year i mean um maybe he could be like a five six seven percent guy in the design run game and you get him up to you know maybe 15 percent would probably be mm. his ceiling so there's a little bit of room there um for ritter to add something but to your point it's not going to be one of these things where suddenly the the flip switches on and we're going to see this guy getting 25 percent you know of the design run game just just not going to happen um and yeah his ability in the passing game was also very very scary um if you look at just from a fantasy perspective alone fantasy points per drop back 0.31 like you want to be around 0.50 just to have a chance to be in your starting lineup uh we're really looking for guys that can get you know to the to the mid point fives and to the high point you know or to like the low point sixes and then you have your elite guys every year somebody you know will have an insane season and be you know up there in like the point sevens like uh, lamar jackson does so 
I think that's a challenge. You know, if you look at his just overall ability, like his accuracy wasn't terrible, Ian, you know, 63%, you know, completion rate, you know, for a guy that his dot was 8.4. That's not bad. Um, but when you look at his PFF passing grade, it didn't, it wasn't very good. 60.1, you know, yeah. and again, we're dealing with a limited sample size, but I'm like you, when I was looking at it, like I, I at least wanted to look forward and think, okay, the guy was young. We're now going to be getting him in year two, but you have to remember there's a reason that Desmond Ritter slid so far in a draft last year where quarterbacks, there weren't a lot. Like he was one of the guys that was thought to be able to maybe go, you know, in the early second round, maybe become a late first rounder. And in a league that's driven by quarterback play, that's always a red flag for me, Ian, when these guys slide like he did last year. And really the data that we saw in his limited sample just kind of backed that up. Only 25% of the position's top 12 finishers over the past decade have been from quarterbacks that were not drafted inside the top two rounds. So, yes, we get the Romos. We get the Tom Brady's. There's a Dak Prescott here and there. But overwhelmingly, guys, the quarterbacks that are picked early and often end up being the ones putting up big-time fantasy numbers. I, when I started writing this you know, preview the other day, Dwayne, like, I was going into it and it ended up being like that Anakin Padme, like Star Wars meme where I was like, you know, Marcus Mariota was one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in football last year. And then Padme's like, all right, so the new guy must be better, right? And then it's just a stare, right? I, I, no, man, I can't find it. The only thing I can find with Desmond Ritter is that he has not sucked as long as Marcus Mariota, but nothing about those four games is, you know, adding credence to what we're expecting moving forward. Overall, adjusted completion percentage, which does account for things like drops, 49 qualified quarterbacks. Ritter ranked 45th, Mariota ranked 46th. From a clean pocket, 44th and 48th. Deep passes, 44th and 48th, and those were in favor of Mariota. So only a four-game sample. I mean, I don't even think the dude threw 100 total passes last season. There are some smart minds out there. Seth Galina's one of them, a former PFF and a co-worker of ours. Love Seth. Just the things that Ritter can do in terms of mechanics and stuff, things that I know absolutely nothing about. I have heard smart QB evaluators believe that he has what it takes to succeed. But again, so tough to see what it was last year. And Dwayne, again, if he's not going to have the design rushing upside and he's going to be in this run first offense, we need him to be ultra efficient passing the football. And he has a really long way to go to get even average in that area. Yeah, I think the best chip you can put down when you're just thinking about the Falcons offense. And we'll get to these guys later. is just how talented Drake London, Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson are. And maybe that's enough, right. To just carry Ritter. The challenge is like, you know, it's, you also have Taylor Heineke there. And if this team starts off like two and two and the rest of the divisions in the tank, which could easily be the case, given the quarterback play, you know, what's going to keep Arthur Smith going with Ritter? Who I don't, I don't know that Ritter's really going to be the starter when the season starts. I know he's technically the QB1 for the team, but I do think Heineke has at least done enough. Now, he's not been great, but he's at least done enough that it wouldn't surprise me. Like, if he's starting at some point this season, even in week one, the biggest positive I would say is if, if we look at the signing of Heineke, either A, Ritter can surprise us, right, and play better than you and I ever think, or at least the worst case scenario is they probably make the switch to Heineke. Now that's not great, but it's way better than Mariota <laughs> because we at least saw Heineke for periods last year. Like he sent, uh, you know, he and Terry McLaurin got on the same page and McLaurin was essentially a wide receiver one for a stretch. Now later in the season that switched over to Jahan Dotson early in the year, that was Curtis Samuel with Carson Wentz. So the commanders kind of went through a rotation of guys, but we at least saw Heineke be good enough to help one of those guys go off consistently. Um, it wasn't ever really two of them, kind of to your point here with what we're talking about with the Falcons. But 
I think that's the positive. At least there's a chance Ritter turns it around. Heineke is a better backstop than what they had as their QB2 last year. I have not been drafting hardly any Desmond Ritter. Look, he's going pick 205. So if you do take Drake London, you do take Kyle Pitts, you need another quarterback, you want to get the correlation going, that's fine. But straight up, give me Sam Howell. Straight up, give me Brock Purdy. I just believe that they do have higher best case scenarios than Ritter. Moving on to running back. You guys may have heard about B. John Robinson. I hate the term, but it seems to be true. Generational prospect, seriously, based on everything he could do at Texas. He can run, he can catch, I'm sure, and he can pass. Shout out Booby Miles back in the day. But man, do I, there's no holes in the guy, like no holes in the prospect. They use a number eight pick on him, 10 of the 12 first round running backs drafted since 2015, racked up 197 plus touches. And the guys that didn't were pretty banged up along the way. So again, didn't draft Robinson, do anything other than feed him the rock. We know what he's capable of doing with said rock. Question is, how high does that make you rank him? If you guys out there listening have not been doing any fantasy drafts, you are going to be surprised to find out. Bijan, not quite the overall RB1, but literally, guys, the RB2. Dwayne, I hate it because I have not gotten a chance to draft him just yet because I continue to just be amazed that Austin Eckler is going behind him. I think that is finally about to change, maybe not imminently, but in the next month or so over underdog fantasy, Eckler is now just one single, you know, overall pick away in ADP. So I don't disagree with Bijan even being a top five running back, man, but just going ahead of Eckler, it's too much for me right now. Yeah, it's closing. And I got a ton of exposure to Bijan this past weekend, just drafting puppy twos. Uh, because people were starting to take Eckler in front of him. And so it was go. actually nice because I have a ton of Eckler. <laughs> so I was even thinking, how do I just stop myself from taking Austin Eckler? I mean, really, you know, a guy that we know can score over 300 points, you know, in a half PPR at the end of round two. You know, I mean, at the end of round one, it was just hard to not do it. So I'm kind of glad to see this because now this weekend I got quite a bit of Bijan. But like you mentioned it, like I, I get it. The term generational talent is overused. But in the fantasy life, supermodel for running backs, he did break the model. He scored in the 100th percentile. This is based on data that has advanced um, metrics in it going back to 2017. And if you look at things that correlate the most to fantasy success, whenever they get to the NFL, that's how the models weighted on those. Those things get the most weight. And then you get less and less and less weight for things that correlate less to future fantasy success. So here are the backs, Ian, that have gone to that have scored in the 90th percentile or higher since 2017. Saquon Barkley was in the 95th percentile. Christian McCaffrey, 91st percentile. Jonathan Taylor, 91st percentile. Dalvin Cook, 91st percentile, despite being a second-round pick. Shout out, Dalvin Cook. Ooh. Leonard Fournette, 91st percentile. And 90th percentile was Javante Williams. We all know he got injured last year, and that probably cut short his chance. Mm. of it was He was just about to do it, Ian. He was taken over from Melvin Gordon in that game, and it all went poof. But a really, really, really strong list for Bijan to be with, and he ranked ahead of all of them. So I do think he's worthy of an RB1. Uh, selection uh, in the first round this season. I agree with you, though. He should be behind Austin Eckler. Again, it's CMC and Eckler. And I, I don't even like this is how crazy of a prospect he is. We always say like, oh, those guys can't be the same receiver. Bijan might be that good as a receiver. Like he might actually be with them, but we just talked about how run heavy this offense is going to be. We can get all the reports we want about them using Bijan to slot or out wide. Ultimately, just don't think he has that triple digit target upside that CMC and Eckler offer. So after that, we get Bijan, we got Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Chubb, Pollard, Henry Jacobs. I think I'm comfortable putting Bijan at the top of that tier, Dwayne. For sure, for sure. And, and, and Bijan graded out at tier 
below McCaffrey, Kamara, those kind of guys in college as far as the receiving profile. Now, they're just insane. They're basically receivers, you know, um, out of the backfield whenever they decide, you know, whenever they're put into, you know, the passing game. Now, Bijan is more along the lines of Saquon Barkley, right? Uh, I know people are going to laugh Leonard Fournette, but Leonard Fournette's a guy that, like, 20% targets per route run every single year. Like that's one really of the best the high school, one of the best call, like one of the most highly touted college recruits ever. Yeah. And like when he was healthy at LSU, that dude was a fucking terror. Yeah. But you know how people get with yeah. Leonard Fournette. They just dismiss him. They don't Gen Z man. Stuff. Freaking Gen but Z. definitely above Jonathan Taylor as a target earner in his collegiate profile. So kind of in between those, I think there's probably a little bit of upside left for Bijan as far as his target earning ability. But to your point, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, and they have two other weapons that can earn targets, which is also going to limit Bijan in that capacity. But, man, he definitely has – what do you think is upside, Ian, overall touches? Like, I feel like he's probably getting 280 to 300 rushing attempts. Like, I've, I've got him at, like, 278, something like that. Just – I gave Tyler Algier a little bit of respect, but it won't surprise me at all if he gets 300 catches – uh, I mean, sorry, 300 rushes, but I'm with you. I don't see him having a ceiling of 70, 80 catches like the other guys. I mean, it could start with a four, man. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. They run the ball. Yeah, it could. 300, I, I, I you agree. know, 50 carries, and we get another 50 catches on top of it. It is possible, yeah, and that yeah. is why he is as high as he is on this old ranking. I'll, otherwise, you do have Tyler Algier. Look. 1,174 total yards last season, only four touchdowns. That's life in the Atlanta Falcons offense. Tenth highest rate of missed tackles forced per touch of any running back over the last 10 years. So, yeah, that no point was anyone looking at the Falcons last year going, man, if they just had an RB, Dwayne, like think about what this team could be. So they added, again, one of the best RBs we've seen in recent memory. So he's going to be great there, but just a shame for Tyler Algier. And I guess it's another reminder not to get too comfortable in dynasty land on these day three picks because things can change in a hurry, even for the best ones. My problem, I guess, with treating Algier more so like an Elijah Mitchell type of handcuff, though, Dwayne, comes down to the reality that even amongst, even amongst that last year, like it took a while for him to actually start for us to be able to trust him because we had Caleb Huntley and even freaking pint-sized Avery Williams out there taking away some snaps throughout those games. And honestly, like Algier was just able to get there because this was such a run-heavy offense behind a big badass PFS fifth-ranked reigning offensive line. So Algier, Cordero Patterson, maybe he just ends up playing wide receiver. Have you been uh, messing around with any of these backups You know, later in drafts? I personally have not. I don't have a lot, um, but Algier was good enough as a prospect last year in a run-first offense that I could totally see him getting there, even if he has to split the carries somewhat, right? Like what we saw him do last year before he took over down the stretch, and there were injuries and things going on with other backs that were part of it. So he was also part of it, right? He played well mm -hmm. at the end of the season, so we don't want to you know, just totally discredit Tyler Algier. Uh, I think I have like two or three shares, though. Um, and again, part of it is where he's going in drafts. I will say his price has gotten better. It took a while, honestly, for drafters to adjust to Bijan getting there, which was wild because Bijan basically had been a late round one pick before the NFL draft, right, mm -hmm. over in best ball on underdog. And then once he went to the Falcons, like he moved up to where he's at now, you know, towards, you know, sometimes creeping towards the middle of first round for Bijan. But Algier, it took a while for him to, to fall down. Like he was still stuck in like pick 130, 140 range for a while. Now he's pick 154. So I, I don't mind, you know, dialing him up you know here and there but i haven't found a reason just to get all in um maybe i need to give him a little more credit for what he did last year and just say you know what yeah those other guys are there they could split time but there's enough to go around if Bijan goes down 
he's probably still a, a he's probably still a decent handcuff that I should be giving a little bit more merit than what I have. When I actually did my like rankings and I was kind of getting it lined up overall, like he was popping saying like, I was really hot and I was like, hold on. Like, no, I don't want to do that. But I had a hard time actually moving him down that much lower. So to your, uh, you know, original point there, yes, it was taking him a long time, way too long to really move after that Bijan pick. But I think now where he's going, you know, alongside guys like Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, Tank Bigsby, perfectly acceptable range for Algier. Uh, yeah. Cordero Patterson, kick return King, put him in the hall of fame. Love you. See Pat. All right. Wide receiver, Drake, London, Mac Hollins, Scotty, too hottie Miller and Kaderil Hodge. We're just going to be talking about Drake London here. Dwayne, he's so good. I was going through just some of his film the other day. And like the fact that this guy has the route running and even some of the yak skills, man, like the feet on this dude, even though he's six foot four, 213 pounds, like one of the worst takes ever was the idea that this dude could not separate. Now he doesn't have the longest speed ever. And we see that occasionally, you know, hinder him, but man, the amount of times he's still able to burn dudes on double moves and just create separation. It's another great example of that contested catch metrics don't always indicate separation ability. You can see guys get wide open and then be forced to have a contested catch situation. Just watch Terry McLaurin's entire career pretty much. So with London, man, really had a nice little mini breakout there at the end six catches 95 yards seven for 70 seven for 96 five for 47 and then six for 120 to end the year of course that all came of kyle pitts out of the picture so when you look at london when you look at pitts they have gaudy target share numbers they have gaudy area target share numbers but my god that whole pie that we're used to being this big yeah this is an awesome audio way to do it we're used to being really big ian it's gonna be obviously not as big of a deal when that whole pie is actually so much smaller in Atlanta than it would be in another offense. If you're still sticking with me, Dwayne, I'm just concerned about there being enough volume on the table here because yes, AJ Brown got it done. AJ Brown also got that done and had to be like a top five most efficient wide receiver in the NFL in order to get it done. Drake London to me, man, right now, biggest jump in terms of, you know, just where he finished last year versus his ADP this year of any wide receiver currently priced in the top 24. I've taken him sometimes. He's not exactly someone that always goes where he is being drafted. And as we're doing this right now, you know, he is less than a pick away from being outside the top 24. So not saying he doesn't belong in that mix of guys, but I just really struggle to go out of my way to get him. Dwayne, he's going to be 22 in July. He's still so young. I just would not be surprised if we're not going to see London truly pop off until they fix that hole under center. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a valid concern, but that's why you're getting London where you are. I think it's all priced in um, when you start looking at the guys that go around him, right? You got Keenan, you could argue, well, Keenan's older. Yeah. And he's been, he battled injuries last year. Uh, you've got Jerry Judy going right in front of Drake London. And as much as we like Jerry Judy and we have positive things to say, he's never had a year like what Drake London did and his underlyings last year. Jerry Judy is more of like, we squint, like we can see it, like it could happen <laughs> and there's things we like, but he's not as good as what Drake London showed. Mike Williams is going ahead of Drake London. Mike Williams is, a wide receiver three, four profile playing in a really good offense. So I think once you get to the mixture, there's no perfect guys there, right? Curtis Samuels got questioned, has never been the target earner that we saw Drake London be last year. So it's it's like everybody has this flaw at that point in the draft, right? Whether it's age or whether they're not a great target earner and they but they get to play in a good offense. His his wart, right, is the fact that he was amazing, but he plays with that quarterback hole that you talked about. So I like betting on him there. Um, I want to bet on the talent profile. And again, 
part of me goes back to if things are just terrible, I feel like at least Heineke's the backstop this year, which I think is better than what we had with Mariota. Um, now, what I would love for is if Ritter just would surprise us and actually be good. I, you and I have already covered it. We don't have to rehash it. It's probably not happening. But at least there's, I feel like there's a couple more outs this year for uh, Drake London. But man, the ability as far as the profile, like essentially if he wasn't playing in this offense, he would, he would be up next to CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like that's how good Drake London is. 27% target uh, share, and that's adjusted for the games, uh, you know, that uh, he didn't miss, uh, 27% targets per route run. Dude, 2.07 yards per route run, Ian. He's that's sick. nuts. When, He's sick. That's nuts when you play with Mariota, because you know when you play with bad quarterbacks, it will tank your yards per route run. Targets per route run, you earn the target, yes or no. Yards per route run, okay, great. Did the quarterback actually put the right. ball on you? Did they put it on you where you could run after the catch? All those other things come into play when you start talking about yards per route run. Um, and for him to be over a two is insane. Normally, people that have to play with someone like Mariota, even if they're really good, would be like a 1.7. A 1.6 we would think was really good on an adjusted scale. He blew that out at a 2.07. So no doubt for me, he's got the talent to perform like a top 12 wide receiver. And I think that it's just priced in that the quarterback is a question given the range he goes in and the other guys that are around him. I just hate that. And you're not wrong. Like Heineke is an improved backstop and stuff. But like the fact that we are almost like hoping that one of two quarterbacks along with Zach Wilson that have a sub 50 PFF passing grade last year can come and save this offense. I mean, come on, Atlanta. That's why we were, man. Yeah, look, the, we wish they would have done more. And I'm sure the gosh. fan base does too. It's got to be maddening. Because we're taught these weapons are sick. I can see the defense taking a step forward. Like, look, all the money they just spent to keep this offensive line intact. So, hey, maybe we're sitting here and Falcons fans are, you know, clipping this saying, look at these two idiots not believing in Desmond Ritter. Or maybe he's a stud. I hope he is, Dwayne. I hope Ritter and Kyle trade for up. Ryan Tannehill at the trade yes. deadline, Ian. Please. Please. That's the let's only thing up, I can think about. Up, let's set up those stacks. The entire time Why I was writing Ian and Dwayne drafting Ryan Tannehill in round 18 with Drake London and Kyle Pitts every time. Please. Please. So yes, Drake London, incredibly talented. Dwayne's probably a little higher than I am, but hey, nothing wrong with that. By the way, last year, wide receivers not named after a city in England contributed to just three top 24 PPR weeks all season. So we are not going to talk about the rest of the group. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts though, Dwayne. Now joined by Jonu Smith. I know it's been a long time joke with Amon Ross and Brown. Oh, it's actually good news for Amon Ross <laughs> that you added this guy in there. But I really don't think that adding Jonu means much of anything for Kyle Pitts here. If you look at the way that he was being used in Tennessee, heavy in-line blocker under Arthur Smith. So not overly concerned about it. But yeah, he did have the fourth most run-blocking snaps at the position back in 2020. Shout out to Andrew Erickson, old friend, for that good stat there. So Kyle Pitts, Dwayne, here's my thing with him. Because we're going to talk about how talented he is and he is talented number six in yards per out run last year number one in targets per out run number one that's awesome better than any other number you could be Dwayne number one but when you're 29th in routes per game man he gets to run around 21 plays a game I don't care how talented he is because George Kittle because Dallas Goddard because Darren Waller all those guys are really talented as well so it's not a talent thing for me it's is he that much more talented than those other guys to overcome this brutal volume discrepancy going on, man? So I get it. He's only 22 years old. He has a thousand yard season under his belt, even though he was only the tight end 11 in that year. But 
Man, Drake London last year, when Drake London and Kyle Pitts were healthy, it was 58 to 59 targets. I think we're looking at another disappointing Kyle Pitts here, man. You can, again, show me the two minutes worth of highlights of uncatchable balls from Mariota. I get it. I don't think it's necessarily going to be an upgrade either. Give me the bowl case for Kyle Pitts. Well, I mean, I think the, it just all comes back to talent. I want to bet on talent. I think it's a fair question. Like Darren Waller's my most rostered tight end in best ball. I think everything you said is true. He's the thing that keeps me from drafting more yeah. Kyle Pitts. I'm like, well, I could get Darren Waller, uh, you know, around to two rounds later, right? Um, Kyle Pitts right now is going pick 64 on underdog. Darren Waller's going pick 81. So there's a lot more flexibility you also get by not spending that pick on Kyle Pitts in a round where there's a lot of wide receivers that we want to take. So that's ultimately held me down on Pitts, but I definitely want to have my exposure. Um, you mentioned the big things, the 27% targets per route run, like that's in the same, that's in the bucket with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, the two best tight ends in the game. Um, yards per route run, not quite where they are, but also playing with a really bad quarterback. Like you put him with a good quarterback. I, here's the thing. It's just a matter of when for Kyle Pitts. Will it be this year? I, there are definitely negatives, but there will be a year where Kyle Pitts is going to lead all tight ends in scoring. Like it's coming. I have no doubt about how good this guy is. Um, he can beat you deep, better than most tight ends in the league. 36% of his freaking targets came 20 plus yards downfield, right? I mean, you just don't see that for tight ends. Amazingly, the other comp to him was Darren Waller at 36% last year. Uh, and they were they were similar, uh, you know, they were similar sample sizes. Both of them got hurt. Um, so you had 415 plays for Pitts, 325 for Waller. Uh, but then if you look at Pitts, his explosive play rate, so those are catches of 15 yards or more divided by your targets, 45%. By far the best in the NFL. He can beat you after the catch. He has it all. Like, he literally has it all. Um, I think the one potential nice thing here is it really should be a consolidated offense. Whereas you go to the 49ers, You've got four weapons to feed in the passing game. With sure. the Falcons, you really only have two. And here's the other thing I'll say. We talk about regression all the time, and we talk about it from a standpoint of, oh, man, no way so-and-so's touchdown rate can keep up. It has to come down. Christian Watson, since you wouldn't let me talk about him last podcast. <laughs> Christian Watson, touchdowns per route run, they're going to come down for sure. Like You just can't sustain what he did last year. But we don't talk, I don't think, enough about the negative side of these things. And Kyle Pitts has had so many things go against him from a regression standpoint that are out of line versus his talent profile. I would tell you this. There's no way the Falcons run the ball as many times as they did last year. Everywhere I'm saying, oh, Bijan, man, there's no way. Guys, you take away Mariota, who was more, was a bigger part of the design run game and also scrambled more than what we're going to see out of Desmond Ritter. Or, and if Heineke starts, then all that goes away. Yeah. So that alone gives this offense upside as far as at least throwing the ball a little bit more this year. Now, I'm not telling you they're going to suddenly become a pass-heavy offense. They're not. They're not. They are, running will be their identity. But if you can pick up a little bit there, you get a little bit better quarterback play, given the talent profiles, there's enough room that we could find a scenario where you can support a condensed offense around these two guys in the receiving game, Bijan and the running game. Yes. It will take things happening, but the profile is so good as far as his talent goes. I just don't want to be high and dry on Kyle Pitts. There's no way I want to get to the end of the season and be like, oh, wow, I got 2%. I mean, you and I, we're going to draft 200 teams. You know, if you're going to draft one team and you just have a strong stance against Kyle Pitts, I get it. Like, fine. But if you're going to be a, you know, big, ex you're going to draft a bunch of teams in best ball, I think you have to have some Kyle Pitts exposure. Now, what I will tell you, Ian, is I'm not. I'm not going all the way to the extreme of saying I'm drafting Kyle Pitts and Drake London on the same team. I'm not doing that. So as much as I love them both, 
Once I have one, I'm cutting it off. Like, and Drake London goes ahead of Pitts. So if I've already got Drake London, I don't draft Kyle Pitts. Um, even if he fell past ADP, you know, it would have to be multiple spots. And where they go in drafts, the way it works out, you're probably not getting Pitts at a big enough discount before he's just going to be gone by the time it gets back to you. So I'm not stacking those guys together. I'm just getting one or the other. I do agree with the idea where I'm with you. I don't want to be completely out. When I did my tight end tiers in like early April, I think I was just still feeling the pain, Dwayne. I think I had him like oh, tight dude, end nine, pain. tight end 10. No. If you drafted Kyle Pitts last year, your team sucked. I went back and looked at all mine. I drafted Kyle Pitts in the third round of underdog last year. None of them advanced. How, how about our Kyle sick Pitts ass? Round uh, two of FFPC. None how of those about our sick advanced. team, Dwayne? Uh, we got Pitts and Mark Andrews at the turn. That team really turned out well. Yeah, let's not. Hey, are, we had a pretty good record. That team was definitely not one of them. That was the only team we drafted that didn't make the playoffs. So uh, there we yeah. go. Anyway, yeah. as you guys could probably imagine. But yes, t- Kyle Pitts sells in as my tight end seven. And, you know, I think we could have just said that Darren Waller point. That's the big thing right there. The fact you can get Darren Waller 15 picks past Kyle Pitts. That is why I did not have more of him. But again, I even think Kittle and Dallas Goddard. These are all really talented guys. I do like being part of the more talented overall offense. So Pitts, only 22 years old. I agree with Dwayne. He is obviously very good at football in real life, but we are not drafting players for real life football. We are drafting them for fantasy. I think Pitts is still a year away from doing his thing in a major way. Win total, Dwayne, eight and a half. There's a plus 110 lean on the over. I'm going to take the under eight and a half wins. We need a quarterback. In the post-Matt Ryan era, they have faded the position. I know it's only been two years, but I just cannot get over that they could not get someone like Ryan Tannehill under center here. So everything else is in place. The division is shit. I get it. The <laughs> quarterback. They don't have one. I see his team going eight and nine. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over. I'll go with the over here. It's really close. I'm definitely not putting my uh, house mortgage on this bet. Uh, but over just weeks one through 17, they're the favorite in eight games. They're the underdogs in seven. Um, again, leaving week 18 off there. So if you guys are really thinking about your bets and you want that information, go over to Superbook and check it out. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest with you, Ian. Like if I just knew Taylor Heineke was going to be the starter, it would be easier for me to just say, give me the over. Like I, if I just knew there was going to be a guy in there that would just be below average, but like at least could get the ball out. And, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the prettiest thing. And we know Heineke can go on these hot streaks and cold streaks, but at least I've seen a hot streak from the guy. Um, I think I would I would easily just be like, okay, fine, just give me the over. It is a close call, but I'll still take it. Heineke's like if Patrick Mahomes just decided to play left-handed every game, man. Like it really is. I I see the alert. Heineke's he like if Drew if, if Drew Locke was any good. Oh. <laughs> I just had to Ouch. do that to you, Ian. Ouch, Dwayne. <laughs> All right. All right. I deserve that. But I hope you guys enjoyed the Fantasy Life Podcast. <laughs> we have wrapped up all of the NFC North today. Dwayne and I have been potting for like three NFC straight South, hours. Man. It's way different than the NFC than the NFC North. This this division is the opposite of the NFC North. Not like only I said, but also in uh, yeah quarterback play. Hour three of podcasting. Apologies. The NFC South. We have concluded it finally. Dwayne, guess what? We'll be back next week with the AFC South. If you guys have missed our discussions on the East and North divisions in previous weeks, you can find those where you're listening to this podcast on our Fantasy Life YouTube page, written articles over at fantasylife.com. So truly appreciate you guys again for listening. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.